Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Chris, good to have you back after a little bit of a Thanksgiving break. Um, we had a couple, couple weeks off and, and a lot of action in the market. Um, and probably the first place that we need to start is the news regarding the Omicron variant. And Friday after Thanksgiving, um, we saw a material impact on the equity markets. Uh, we saw the S&P fell over 2%. We saw small caps. They fell over 3.5%. Um, we saw a modest rally on fr- on, on Monday, uh, but you know these co- these COVID variant concerns you know they were then exasperated on Tuesday, as Chairman Powell removed that word transition uh, transitory from the inflation discussion. So he sounded awful hawkish. He sent the S and P and small caps down a little bit over two percent again. So um, you know the question here is you know do you think that the the new COVID variant is a real risk to markets for the ongoing economic recovery, or or is Omicron play out similar to what you previously described uh, as we talked about Delta and yep. over the last few weeks and. Um, I guess, which is to say, you know, it's, it's kind of a minimal economic impact. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really think the the news around the new South African variant, while it it's too early for anybody to conclusively say that uh, we have the data and we know what the implications are going to be. But when I look at the nature of the way the news was released, the timing of it, the angle in the way the store, story was covered, uh, it was very sensationalized like much of the news is. It, it, you know, hyper-focused on a WHO meeting uh, to discuss the new variant when, in fact, the WHO meets for almost every new variant that comes out. There's nothing unusual about that. Um, This story could have occurred days before or days later. I think it was released the day after Thanksgiving on a very low-liquid environment. For one thing, I think it was a hit piece. I, I think it really was designed to knock down energy prices. I think there's a coordinated effort to try to reduce uh, the impact of fossil fuels because they lead the inflationary pressures. And inflation is a very real issue for the the political agendas that exist. Uh, It's a very real issue going into the midterms. And so they needed to find a way to do it. The release of oil out of the SPR is nothing more than something they can point to during the election. It's almost irrelevant um, to the to the real impact on oil prices. So I personally think it was a hit job. I think it's easy to execute. Uh, there's very little liquidity in a lot of the markets involved. Uh, there's a lot of profits that have been made within the energy sector and elsewhere. So the hot money can sell off and, and trigger a big drawdown and, and cause some technical breakdowns in the market. Um, and, you know, we can't forget that the some politicians and certain bureaucrats, you make it even include Dr. Fauci in the same category as as COVID moves behind us and as the general population begins to ignore it, you know, these bureaucrats and these organizations have been given a lot of control and a lot of political influence and they want to hold on to that. And this is, you know, almost expected behavior. They're going to hold on to whatever influence they can till the very end. And they probably realize they're losing relevance and influence. And so to the extent they can stir up a lot more concern around a new variant, they're going to do it. It's in their best interest to do so. So um, I'm leaning towards the case that this is going to turn out to be a lot about nothing, but we'll need to wait and let the, the, the data tell us what's really going on. Hopefully, hopefully that's spot on, and, and hopefully you're right and what you're describing there. Um, but looking at the, the kind of the bearish impact specifically on on commodity pricing and, and then risk assets broadly, 
Um, focusing a little bit more back on Chairman Powell's comments, do you think it was a mistake for him to be so hawkish during his testimony this week? Um, I Yes, it's a mistake from a monetary standpoint. Um, it's not a mistake from a political standpoint, and we should never lose sight of the fact that uh, you know, the Federal Reserve is 100% a political organization, um, and they have never in the last you know, two and a half decades for sure executed monetary policy in a way to support the economy in a productive fashion. It's all been geared towards politics. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, politically necessary to kill inflation and kill inflationary expectations. Uh, while, uh, you know, I think the inflationary conditions exist such that we've, we've produced enough uh, expanded bank reserves, all we have to do is build in expectations, and if we do that, we'll get more generalized inflationary pressures. And we're, we're starting to see those expectations get entrenched into labor conditions and elsewhere. So, yeah, I think politically it was what was needed. Monetarily, I, he's ticking the top. I mean, U.S. inflationary pressures are in a, an, in a downturn. It's broadening. It's accelerating. I think it's why the dollar has been so strong. At the same time, these inflationary pressures are accelerating to the upside in Europe, and it's why we've seen the euro strong and the dollar weak, but, you know, Europe's just a little bit behind us in all of this. Um, and the biggest thing, and this is going to need to be the takeaway going forward for investors is, and I think Luke Roman said it best, which was, look, the Fed's been trying to ride two horses with one ass. And what he means by that is they've been trying to support the equity markets and the bond market. And you can do that in disinflationary and deflationary conditions by expanding monetary policy via QE or the impact of monetary policy via QE. Inflation interrupts that ability. They're going to have to sacrifice one over the other. And in this case, they're going to end up sacrificing the equity markets, which is what they've done. So let's talk about you know, two of those areas you just covered, oil and the U.S. dollar. So you know, oil prices, they've corrected around 20%. Um, the U.S. dollar has moved higher. You know, it continues to be a, a, a bullish trend for the currency, mm -hmm. um, and also at the same time, we've seen the yield curve flatten. So, you know, does this? Do you think this means that the inflationary pressures from the commodities have, have, are past us at this point? Yeah, temporarily, I think they are. Um, I do think we're moving into a new inflationary regime, and and we can talk more about that. Um, but when you when you look at the current inflationary cycle that we've talked about was self-reinforcing. Those conditions have peaked and they're rolling over. Um, what we've seen within fossil fuels, and they lead industrial metals, and they ultimately lead agriculture, uh, the, in the, the fossil fuel inflationary pressures are going to ease. They're not going to go back to where we were before. And quite frankly, I don't think $80 oil prices are high. That's where they need to be. We've just left a, a secular downturn of excess capacity, and we're, we're dealing with the reality of underinvesting in fossil fuel productions, and we have very real shortages, and they're going to rear their head again in the not-too-distant future. Um, there's still more inflation to come, primarily in agriculture and in soft commodities, and so that still has to play through the system. But yeah, temporarily, I think we've seen uh, the inflationary pressures ease. It doesn't mean inflation moves lower. It just means it's not going to accelerate higher, and there's the chance that it could ultimately uh, move lower. Um, and then we shouldn't ignore China's role in all of this, which is to say... 
China was a disinflationary force, and that's changed. So we're in a situation where they don't have excess labor. They have real inflationary conditions. Moving supply chains closer to point of origin is inflationary. So it's just going to be a very different environment moving forward. And we're going to shift towards a reinvestment phase in energy and commodities. And what's going to generate that investment is higher prices. And the transition to renewables is very fossil fuel intensive. And it's also very inflationary. For every dollar you take out of fossil fuel capex, you may have to end up spending 15 to $20 in renewable capex. So we shouldn't kid ourselves. And you're going to see some of the narratives change because uh, the, the shift to renewables, the shift to green energy is very expensive and it comes at a very real cost. Um, and you know, one thing that we've talked about, or as I mentioned a few different times today, is Chairman Powell, and, and uh, you've referenced him a few times in your, in your, in your responses. But um, you know, Fed Chairman Powell, he was renominated by President Biden uh, for another term. And so you know, I guess the question here is, you know, you know, what can we expect for future policy? Do you think we'll, we'll see any meaningful shifts in, in the second go around, or is this more of the same in the future? Yeah, it should be more of the same from the standpoint of what they want to achieve. Uh, again, it goes back to my earlier comment that uh, the Federal Reserve is a political organization. Um, and if you look at Bernanke's history, you look at Yellen's history, and certainly Powell's, uh, his role previous to being Fed chairman and, and what he'll likely do afterwards, these guys make seven-figure incomes from Wall Street. Uh, their sole role is to support asset prices and to support uh, consumption and, you know, to, to spread liquidity in a manner that supports all those actions and now to fund uh, deficits as well. So they're a political organization. They're going to not change their role whatsoever. And that's why they were very aware of the inflation that was building, but they weren't going to say anything because it was positive for politics. Now that it's negative for politics, they're going to come out and try to do something about it. Um, but investors need to think very differently this decade about the influence of monetary policy and the limits that it's going to have. And the reason is, in the prior decade, from the end of the financial crisis, really uh, through 2019, and this was interrupted by COVID, so you could say from the end of the financial crisis through 2021, we were in a secular decline for fossil fuels and commodity prices. We were on the other side of building the excess capacity. That's no longer the case. Um, we have, we're going to have increasingly inflationary labor conditions globally. We're going to have increasing inflationary conditions as it relates to commodities all through this decade. And that means you can't run monetary policy the same way you could in the previous decade. QE is going to have a bigger impact on inflation moving forward and those expectations than what it did previously, which means it is less of a tool from an availability standpoint. In addition to that, we could accelerate wealth and consumption in the prior decade because assets were, had lower valuations, and that's no longer the case. Uh, we also had less misallocation of capital at the beginning of the of last decade compared to this decade. So the economy was set to recover in a more robust fashion. So I think the Fed's going to behave similarly. I think their impact is going to be much less. And I think we're going to find out as we move through this decade that we pulled a lot of returns forward. And so don't look for 
uh, QE and monetary stimulus to bail you out as an investor. You really need to know what you own. And we're going to see this bubble of narratives that we have in the market continue to fall away. Um, and it's going to be more challenging accordingly as we move forward. Good. Well, great. Good, Chris. Very good to have you back. Uh, missed you over the last couple of weeks. You bet. But we're, uh, we're up and running again, and we'll catch you here soon. Thank Sounds you. good. Thanks, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.